Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows in addition to kind of whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. Holden, I just realized the other day that we have a most anticipated movie that I know we're both anticipating that we have not mentioned at all, and it's not on our list, I don't think. And what that is would it? be... Uh, Oh gosh, the uh, the Chris Stuckman movie. What's it called though? Oh yeah, Shelby Oaks. Shelby Oaks. I knew it was something Oaks, and I'm like, we didn't bring that up at all. <laughs> I'm almost certain that that's coming out this year. So, and we uh, put money towards it. We are monetarily invested in this movie. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, that's a good point. That would have been. I don't know if that would have made top 10 just because we'd know basically nothing about it, but it would have definitely been honorable mention at least. Yeah, honorable mention at least for Chris Stuckman. So just wanted to throw that out there so our list could be amended All yes. right, retroactively. I Good. guess you can't amend things <laughs> proactively. Anyway, yes. Holden, what do we got this week? Uh, we've got a great episode for you this week, a huge episode for you this week featuring our reviews of the uh, eighth episode of The Last of Us, the season three premiere of The Mandalorian, as well as uh, two Oscar noms that we've missed uh, previously, which will be Elvis and Tar. Nice. So. The longest episode until next week. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, wait, our, our Tom's is very short, so it might okay. be comparable. Well, thank goodness. <laughs> All right, Holden, then let's dive right in. That one movie podcast. Tom. First to me, we have to do the Tom's. The Toms, the Toms, the Toms, the Toms. Toms is a rapid fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. All right, Holden, what trailers do we have this week? Uh, Yeah, so the first one uh, is Haunted Mansion, uh, which is the new Disney live-action adaptation of the ride of the same name. Um, For those of you of our age or older, you may remember an Eddie Murphy adaptation from the early 2000s. I really, I'm not sure I've ever seen the whole thing. Honestly, the most I remember about that movie was the McDonald's toys. I remember remember the toys as well. I mean, I remember them being toys, which is funny because we watched this new trailer and that was the first thought I had in mind was some kids (laughs) tie in uh, fast food thing. Is that still a big deal? Toys? They still do it. Uh, I think I think I saw there there was like a big thing that McDonald's was doing some for the Mario movie, but I don't, I mean, it's hard to tell if it, if like the kids care as much anymore. Um, That was such a big deal to me. Like there is no greater like collectible thing to me than the Burger King Revenge of the Sith run of like their little, not bobbleheads, but like little miniature character caricatures. Mm Mm-hmm of all the Star Wars characters. And they were like, they did two waves. And they were like 
80 of these things or something and like the holy grail was to get the darth vader one that could open up and it would be anakin skywalker underneath it (laughs) and i finally got it dude i went to burger king i think twice a week for like six months when this was a thing they're all in a box somewhere the main I, I i do remember that line but the only really one, one i remember is the little plush lizard thing from uh uh-huh. the general grievous planet that's mm-hmm. the only th- that's like really the only one i remember and i did have that um, yeah but. i don't remember what the lizard thing's name it oh i should know but it utapau uh yeah chewbacca was a little plush thing boba mm-hmm. fett was like a squirt gun thing okay <laughs> <laughs> lots of cool i think mace windu was like a magic eight ball <laughs> Oh, I think I had that one. Yeah, now that you mention it. Yeah. Lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. The best Burger King McDonald's toys of all time, in my opinion, as yeah, someone who's um, not an expert on it. Anywho, Holden, anyway, we watched Haunted the trailer Mansion. for Haunted Mansion. I do remember the Eddie Murphy movie. I saw it in theaters, I think. Really? I think I thought it was scary when I was little. What yeah, I year think- did that come out? I feel like that was like 2003. The Haunted Mansion. Yeah, 2003. I I saw this in theaters. I was five or six years old. I feel like at most I saw some on TV one time, but I definitely have never seen the whole movie. Um, But anyway, this is like a new adaptation of that because Disney likes to make adaptations of their rides for some reason. Um, And got quite the star-studded cast. You got... um, uh, Rosario Dawson, Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito, Lakeith Stanfield. Um, apparently, Jared Leto is in it. I don't think he was in the trailer, but <laughs> he's in it. Jamie Lee Curtis. Lots of people you know and love. Um, what did you think of the trailer, though, Jimmy? I didn't really think anything of it, to be honest with you. I, I don't really care, mm-hmm. uh, but if it's good, it's good. Oh, I'm going to go Bergeron. Yeah, it comes out the week after uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer, so it's going to have some big competition to go up against. <laughs> is it a Disney Plus? No, it's this is theatrical. Okay. Um, yeah, I, it, it looks very whatever. I mean, the trailer is very. It makes it seem like it's going to be very horror tinged, obviously, because it's you know ghosts and everything. I don't think it's going to be as quite as maybe spooky as the trailer makes it out to be even though it's not spooky but i mean in, in terms of like a kid's movie i don't know um, it was pretty spooky to watch those <laughs> doors and windows just disappear oh yeah how are they gonna get out of there olden i don't know <laughs> they're not gonna get any natural light they'll have a vitamin d deficiency i didn't realize that disney was making a big budget remake of skin rink but there you here go. we are um yeah, I don't know. It looks fine. Um, it'll probably be okay, and we might review it. Uh, my guess is we probably will, because it's going to be right at like the August time, and August is always pretty slow, so we, we might get around to it. But anyway. Make no promises. Make no promises. For all of you Haunted Mansion uh, heads out there, you know, we're not going to... Don't yes. come here expecting a, a full review. Yes, the Haunted Mansion heads, as the fan base is fondly remembered as. Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, I'll give it a Bergeron. There you go. What's our other trailer for this week, Holden? Uh, It's for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, and I am blanking on the subtitle name right now. Something Mayhem. 
Mutant Mayhem. Mutant That's right. Mayhem. Teenage Mutant Mayhem Ninja Turtles. Mayhem. Yeah. Mayhem. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Probably needs no introduction to many of you, uh, but this one is animated. Um, looks to be similar style to Spider-Verse, but quite a bit different uh, in terms of uh, how like the modeling is done. It looks very... It looks very similar to, I guess, how the the original graphic novels looked, except with color, because um, the originals were in black and white. But, um, yeah, it, it's I think the animation is pretty stylish and cool looking. I don't really have any particular love for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, but I don't know. Do you do you have any love for this no, franchise? I don't. I mean, I remember my cousin and I. My cousin was more into it when we were kids. And he had like the van. Oh whatever yeah. toy. That was pretty cool. We play with that, but I I I don't know. Michelangelo, <laughs> Donatello, Leonardo. Mm-hmm. What's the, the other one? one? I don't remember the last one. The red one. one? Uh, it's Raphael. Raphael. I should have known Raphael. Come on. <laughs> don't ask me. One has a staff, one of them has two smaller swords. One of them has nunchucks. I don't know. Shredder's the, the has bad a guy. Yeah, rat. The there, there's a rat guy. Uh, what's his name? Splinter. Splinter. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's the extent. Was it Will Arnett and Megan Fox were in a movie. <laughs> yeah, they were in the live action one. That's right. <laughs> it was okay. I never saw it. Yeah. I don't know. And that was Michael Bay, right? I don't think he directed it, but his name was plastered all over it. So I think okay. he like produced it. Yeah. Boy, that that's a movie I forget exists. Constantly. <laughs> there were two of them too. Two of them. Never yeah. saw the second one. <laughs> All right. Uh, anywho, well, then I I'm a Bergeron. I I mean I guess it's just cool that Spider Verse has kind of opened the floodgates on animation that doesn't just look like Disney and Pixar. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I think the animation is kind of what's mostly piquing my interest here. Um, I mean, I do think there there's it's kind of interesting that this is like the one time where it actually seems like the teenage mutant ninja turtles are actually teenagers mm-hmm. <laughs> like every other time I'm like they're like i'm like they're actually seem like children in this one yeah <laughs> and i i uh i it looks like it's a pretty unknown voice cast of, of a bunch of young young actors too so it makes sense but yeah it's every other incarnation they're quote-unquote teenage but they feel like they're <laughs> much older than that so yeah, I don't know. Uh, could be good. Um, I think I'll personally give it a Brokaw just because I didn't care about the movie, but the animation at least is making me interested. So, yeah, Brokaw. Yeah, Bergeron for me. That's it. Enough trailers, Holden. Yeah, uh, let's get on to like the two pieces of Toms we have this week. Sweet. Um, first off, Jimmy, some good news. Free Guy 2 might not actually be happening. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in this why, quote, why not? Well, the, there's a quote from Ryan Reynolds here. It says, uh, there is the potential to do a sequel to Free Guy, which would be fun. I would love it. But also, like, does everything effing have to have a sequel? I don't know. Sometimes it's okay to just do a movie and have it kick ass and then everyone go home. So, you know, there's a bit of a push and pull there, resisting the urge to just immediately say, oh, doing a sequel validate the first one. No, the first movie validates the first one. And then you can leave it at that. Um, I mean, good for him to say that not everything needs an effing sequel. 
Yeah. Did he say effing or did he say the actual word? No, he said the actual word. But okay. it is uh, in the written interview that's bleeped out. So okay. I, it's pretty easy to just say that. <laughs> okay. Um, well, good on him to say not everything needs a sequel. Good on him for hopefully not making a free guy sequel. But also, I think that first movie is bad. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it It only did well, really. I mean, it did well financially, and I guess some people liked it. It seemed to most, pretty- literally everyone on else, everyone else on Earth, Holden, other than <laughs> us. I have not met a, another person who did not like that movie. I guess you're right. I'm it is the in most denial. corporate, just piece of junk that has come <laughs> out of the machine of Disney I've ever seen in my life. I guess he was like a Fox thing. But yeah, still. but Disney made it worse. Yeah, the Disney's like, ooh, we can add our little own franchise <laughs> Easter eggs in there. Oh, you guys know we own Marvel and Star Wars. Ooh, here's oh Chris Evans. That movie is insufferable. I I cannot like some movies that I don't like and some people like. I'm like, okay, I can I can get that. Like I know there's there's some discourse already with like Halloween ends and like some of the arguments I've seen. I'm like, I guess I can see it from that like certain angle even though i still I, don't you think cannot bad. convince me that halloween ends is not one of the worst <laughs> movies i've ever seen in my life you cannot bad. convince me of that but but that that's me for free guy i like free guy i just cannot see why anyone likes that movie like at all it's just it's got uh steve harrington right oh yeah he is in that. you know he's likable they somehow made taika watiti unlikable how does that happen yeah and i mean not, he's the bad guy but like way. but like yeah like i just like this is annoying like i don't want to see taika watiti like how does that happen <laughs> yeah and everyone was like raving about him too like it was just felt like we were on a different planet kind of it, it was similar with like frozen too we, there's yeah. just occasionally a movie that you and i just hate and, and everyone except, you know what at, at least snl also came out and said frozen 2 was bad with their yeah. sketch that they did that's true <laughs> but we're not alone validating <laughs> but uh yeah we should probably we don't have to re-review free guy for this it's no. good bro no more free guys sorry it's good like free guy <laughs> i'll uh i'll give yeah i'll give this a bro uh don't make more free guy um, the other piece of news was just a uh, kind of new announcement of a movie that sounded interesting it's called uh, 42.6 years uh, it's a new comedy film starring Andy Samberg and Gene Smart and Gene Smart uh, big roles in Fargo in the Watchmen series but she's also in Babylon is like the critic character yeah okay yeah 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 she was um, very good yeah uh, but this is a movie apparently centers on a young man uh, who must undergo an experimental procedure that sees him get cryogenically frozen. The procedure saves his life, but he doesn't wake up for 42.6 years. As a result, he looks physically the same all those years later, but he is left with en- without anyone in his life other than his ex-girlfriend, played by Gene Smart, who is now much older than him due to the procedure. Um, it's going to be apparently directed by Cruella and Itania director Craig Gillespie. And written by Seth Reese, uh, who co-wrote The Menu. Okay, you know, some talent there. Mm-hmm. Sure, why not? I'll give it a Bergeron. I'll give it a Brokaw. Sounds cool, and I like both. The, I like pretty much everyone involved there, so yeah. What's Brokaw. the name again? The uh, 42.6 years. 
six years. Very nice. Yes. Um, But other than that, that is all I have. Um, I don't think there is really anything in the world of gaming, unless I'm mistaken. Boy, I I don't think so. So I guess that's it. I guess I saw that they might be releasing a new Counter Strike, but I don't care about that. <laughs> cool. I wasn't that like the BAFTAs or something. I don't know. There's a oh yeah, awards. there yeah there was. I think the Writers Guild Awards were this week too. The I, SAG or whatever they're called. Yeah, I don't know. Some of those other awards that we don't pay attention to, but are maybe better than the Oscars. <laughs> you know what? If you want us to pay attention to your award show, give us an award. Yeah. Until right? then, we will Best not cover podcast. you. Oscars, never heard of them. Bring in the best movie podcast category. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> best domestic movie podcast. Best, best movie bootlicker category. We will, we are shills. <laughs> yes, come on, let's do it. Otherwise, well then, what should we uh, dive into first here? Uh, let's do Mandalorian. All right. This is the way. All right, uh, spoilers for the season three premiere of The Mandalorian. Came out last Wednesday, so if you saw it right away, it has been a while, but... Also, uh, stupid. Wednesday releases are (laughs) stupid. Yeah, Wednesday releases are dumb. Um, The the HBO Max Sunday night releases, I kind of don't like too, just because that means we're going to have to move the podcast like we are doing now. But at least then we're doing the podcast the day after it comes out. Um, Here's the thing I'll say about Sunday releases. It makes sense from it's still the weekend. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like people look forward to it all weekend. It's like you're not going to who, you know, people don't really plan things for late Sunday night. You know what I'm saying? That's true. Yeah. It's like, you know, you kind of like to wind down your weekend. It makes sense to have a TV show, kind of nice routine, mm-hmm. getting ready for the week again. And then the next day you got all the water cooler conversations of, yeah. you know, hey, oh, did you see the episode last night? You know, so I think the Sunday night release from a studio or streaming service standpoint makes a lot of sense. Wednesday at like 2 a.m., stupid. <laughs> Bombadil. Disney. Yeah. Figure it out, Bob <laughs> Iger. Let's go. Come on, man. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That's a Bob Chapek move, man. <laughs> You're better than that, Bob Iger. You know you are. You're the superior Bob. You, you came back. Yeah. You're Mr. <laughs> Incredible Bob. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, uh, I'm trying to think of where to start. I guess um, first two seasons, both you and I liked it. Um, kind of, you know, wishy-washy, uncertain things. You seem to like a lot of the more iffy episodes on this rewatch you just had. Um, you yeah. had a recent rewatch. I did not. I just watched like a 15-minute recap on YouTube. So I hope I am properly, you know, I have the proper information I need. But um, what's the name of the episode? Do you have it? The Apostate. The Apostate. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. The Um, Apostate exam. I think this is a really weak start to the season. (laughs) I thought it was all right. I thought it was was good enough. It wasn't as good as last last, um, season's where it was the Tuscan Raiders and they 
took that uh uh, uh sand dragon or whatever it was crate oh, dragon yeah, yeah yeah not as good as that um but you know it had its moments the beginning that just big scene you know it's fun yeah it was it was a decent action scene um i mean i i thought that kid was just going to be dinjarin <laughs> i did i was like is this a flashback or is this the present yeah, it was confusing. I kind of expected it was going to be Din Djarin, but then it wasn't. Um, I kind of... I Well, I think the majority of the fight is good. I think it's lame that he just blows it up with his ship. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just flies in. Uh, Din Djarin, Ex Machina, flies in. Um, and just <laughs> blows up the... <laughs> blows up the the big crocodile i i it would have been better i mean sure he could come in and help save it but it would have been cooler if he was like out of his ship and did something instead of just using like the obvious like huge firepower on the ship okay i will say the season two is especially horrible at this but there it is just carried right into season three someone coming to save the day at the last moment is mm-hmm a recurring bit now i mean it has happened it happens like more than once in an episode several times it is getting ridiculous at this point (laughs) like you can't just do it every week uh without it feeling really hokey like i feel like the show takes itself too seriously to play that trope all the time uh yeah whereas maybe you could get away with it in another sort of serial thing where it's more of an adventure of the week which the mandalorian is kind of that but also not that and i think it needs to maybe lean harder one way or the other well in this and look this season on its own disregarding season two um like as an introduction a reintroduction to the mandalorian like as the character i don't mind this kind of thing because I, I mean this happens i mean a lot in movies or you know seasons of tv shows where it's kind of just a cool way to reintroduce a character um who maybe you haven't seen since a previous installment um but yeah i just hope it doesn't continue to do that and i season two Correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of that was also, I mean, it was that mixed with also like just a ton of like unnecessary cameos and stuff that would do that as well. Uh, that would come in and kind of save the day. So that's, I'm, I'm hoping they're shying away from that because I feel like they got a lot of criticism previous season for it. So, yeah, I, I think they are going to, I, I would be surprised if they did it again this season, if mm-hmm. you want to bring back the characters you've already encountered, fine, mm-hmm. you know, Boba Fett or whatever. Sure. Whatever. But, um, if we're just, you know, like the only one I'll be okay with is Mace Windu. Let's just go there. <laughs> Sam Jackson comes back, baby. That's the only one I'm, that I'm going to be okay with. If he didn't show up in the Obi-Wan show, I don't think he's showing up here. Come on. <laughs> He should have showed up at the end of season two. He would have taken out those dark troopers. Yeah, he ignite the purple, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Buckle up. That is a tasty space burger. <laughs> uh, that's that's the only cameo I'll be okay with. Otherwise, don't do it. Hold yeah. on. Speaking of things, I guess you, cameo wise, you have the little Babu freak guys, mm-hmm. and they're funny. When when little Grogu is just 
<laughs> assaulting yeah, one just, of them. <laughs> trying to, like, kidnap one of them. I mean, that's funny. Come on. Yeah, the Babu Freak guys are they're still pretty novel. I mean, they were the best part of episode nine and they're still pretty cute here. I think it's it's like, I mean it's it's a low bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True. Pretty good. I mean, they're still pretty novel because I've never gone back to rewatch that movie after it was in yeah. years. And there's something I, I feel like it's just because of how small they are, like the way they're animated is so like minimal. It's like it. It's there. There's not very much movement with any of them. Even for Are they, like they a Star be Wars puppeted, puppet. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but even for like Star Wars puppets, I feel like it's it, like just because they're so small, there's only so much you can do with them, and so it's kind of it kind of makes them look and feel a bit different, and kind of adds just a bit of a novel factor to them. And the fact that you can't really understand what they're saying, but you kind of can. Yeah, yeah. Their language, yeah. Um. <laughs> Hey, hey, or whatever they you know they say. It's I like them. Good, yeah, cool. I like them. Good, good Star Wars little Easter good egg alien. bits. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Um, interacting with Grogu, good stuff. Uh, Baby Yoda spinning himself in the chair with the Force. I mean, come on. If you had the Force, you would do that. I'm sitting in a swivel chair right now. I'd be doing that if I had the Force. So, oh yeah. I like that. We got Carl Weathers is back. Whatever yeah, his who, character's name is again. It's funny because I've been watching the Cre- the the Rocky movies and I forgot that he's Apollo Creed in those movies. Um, so <laughs> he's he's <laughs> it's just very different seeing him like all buff and and young in those movies and here he's he's just old. <laughs> but he's, Grief he's good in both. Karga, I think is his name. Yeah, Grief Karga. <laughs> I like the. Uh, when they're like, "Oh, where's uh, Cara Dune?" and he's like, "Oh, well, she's off the New Republic." I was just waiting for him to be like, "Oh, well, she made she compared herself to someone in the Holocaust, so she got canceled." <laughs> yeah, no, they. I mean, they wrote off the character in a in a pretty, I guess, respectful way. I mean, she's still in universe there, but she's never coming back. <laughs> I mean, she did. To be fair, that she did like join the New Republic in season two or whatever, and that was yeah. supposed to be a spinoff and whatnot. And yeah, so it kind of worked out in the, in their favor from that angle. But yeah, yeah, I thought that was funny too. Yeah, uh, that yeah, very <laughs> whatever. IG Eleven's coming back, Holden. Yeah, why? Because <laughs> they're like, whoa, we shouldn't have killed him off. We need a cute little droid. We need a well, funny yeah. droid. Okay, I I realized from the the cynical <laughs> company perspective, but I didn't I did not understand story wise why he's all of a sudden like we need him. Also, why wouldn't you just do that before? Yeah, just bring him back earlier. Yeah, if if he was that popular, because he hasn't been around since season one. I don't know why there there's no way there's been so much of a push since season two (laughs) like i feel like there would have been more of a you know outpouring of love for that character in between one and two so that doesn't it doesn't make a ton of sense i don't know he also blew up (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's nothing left of him they're like oh there's nothing left and then they pull out like half of his body yeah i'm like that is not the way that i would work (laughs) see i could buy it if like there's somehow some sort of like you know chip or something that has his memories or something and they have to like rebuild his body like from scratch i could buy that maybe 
but he like literally half of his body is intact <laughs> it's so dumb yeah who cares i don't know i like taika watiti i i'm not you know whatever mm-hmm. it it's it'll be fun i like uh, ig11 so bring him back sure why not it's gonna happen mm-hmm. um you got space pirates of the caribbean holden yeah you have space davy jones <laughs> yeah i that that character felt so out of place both in design and like it's like his scene is so weird he like he basically just sits there like it's just like a camera like on his face mostly it's it i don't know it felt it felt off and i don't know why <laughs> what did they even want again I don't remember because it was Wednesday when I watched this. Actually, it was Thursday. Yeah, and it was also... I, I feel like it was just like they wanted like money from Carl Weathers because it was probably one of those things where it's like we provide you protection or something. I don't know. Something um, like that. Or maybe... No, they wanted to just like have a drink or something. And he... They killed them all, right? And then the pirates They killed them all mad. except for the one. And then the pirates are mad yeah hmm well i mean it it was very much pirates of the caribbean but star Mm -hmm. wars yes yes so and i'm sure they'll come back um not i don't think we need them though we'll see whatever it's it's episode one that's the thing i realized rewatching episode two is a lot of like the things i think i got caught up on i'm like you know it don't really matter you know the highs are nice it's good um the robert rodriguez episode of (laughs) season two also was like bad (laughs) in parts it's when boba (laughs) fett comes back i'm like oh i'm like i like the concept of this episode but the directing is really bad and then at the end of the episode directed by robert rodriguez i'm like (laughs) I just don't think that man can direct Star Wars very well. No. Yeah. He, he needs to stick to his, his spy kids or his uh, <laughs> machete. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so we have that. And then, you know, there's a nice space battle. Baby Yoda um, riding in the back. He can, I guess he could just pop in between the cockpit and the little dome thing. So that's nice convenient for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's more fun Baby Yoda moments than I'm forgetting, but uh, yeah. you know, very nice. Um, also the the Book of Boba Fett finale is even worse than I remember it being. <laughs> it is so laughably horrible, and I cannot watch the the scene where the guy does the 360 shot without just <laughs> dying on the inside. It is so bad. I I do not understand why like how that episode could be as bad as it is did robert rodriguez direct that one i think yeah okay because i said the i i think the season two finale of the mandalorian i mean everybody gets caught up in the luke skywalker cameo i think that episode is bad like that was the one like most of the show was better rewatching it. I think that se- season two finale is bad. Like it is not well directed and it's Peyton Reed, which is the uh, Ant-Man director, I believe was the guy. So I don't know. Rewatch that one folks. Cause I think that like, I think everybody just got caught up in the Luke Skywalker f- part of it and, 
and even that i don't think that is well directed at all i think it is so underwhelming the music is so lame they're just watching it happen on the security cameras. It's like, it's obviously Luke Skywalker. Like, yeah, I don't know what we're doing here. I just remember it being a really long build up to such an obvious reveal. Like, yeah, it is. I And the rest of the episode is, is like laughably just peep bad and people just shooting stormtroopers in hallways over and over. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Rewatch it. Judge it for yourself. I think that one, uh, is uh not does not hold up but other things are better and i you know i i have a greater appreciation for this show than i did a, a month or two months ago before i rewatched it so i'm just, just excited it's back baby yoda has like never not been adorable to me yeah consistently the best part of the show um and i think i mean him and and dinjarin's relationship um they're just it's it is what carries the show really um which gets into for me my biggest concern is that i do not think i just do not think i'm going to care about the story of this season like at all of the mandalore yeah no neither am i and you have bo katan we'll see like here's the here's what's gonna happen right he's gonna He's going to try to, it's his whole quest to get redemption because he took mm-hmm. his helmet off to show Grogu his face. And so he needs to get redemption by like bathing in the mines or whatever of Mandalore, but Mandalore is destroyed and whatnot. And he's going to go on this quest to do that. And he's going to realize that, no, I don't, you know, like it's not like that's these legalistic practices isn't what make you a Mandalorian. It's the idea of like helping others in need or you know saving foundlings or whatever and i think he's gonna kind of acknowledge what his little cult has done for him but then realize that that doesn't matter these rules yeah Yeah. i think that's where they're going with it maybe not but he's gonna have some sort of growth there and i think that's a compelling storyline I just don't know if I don't I care all that much about the fall of Mandalore and Bo Katan. Maybe he loses the helmet permanently and then Pedro Pascal can finally get out yeah. of that stinky helmet. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just I I I was just like realizing while watching because I remember like last season when they were obviously setting this up for this season. I was like, okay, this this could be interesting, but I don't know, like Bo-Katan, it doesn't seem like she's going to be like that big of a player, at least for a while. They just kind of are like, she's just like, nah, never mind. I don't yeah. care about this anymore. <laughs> like, whatever. I'm just going to okay. sit on my throne in this really long, extended hallway. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, there's, I, I was, you know, looking for maybe like a rivalry there or something that would be kind of cool, but it doesn't look like... Well, I mean, that could happen because she's got the Darksaber and apparently she needs to fight him for it, so... Yeah, so we'll see. Maybe that'll come back. Um, But yeah, I don't know. And I just... I I don't think I've ever... Granted, it's been a while since I've watched the first two seasons. I don't think I've fully bought like his like family relationship with the cult ever... Um, I don't know. It, like, I mean, well, obviously, I mean, they emphasize very a lot that he's like a foundling. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just like I don't. 
at least from what I remember the first two seasons, it doesn't... To me, it, I don't buy him, like, being so concerned about, like, making up, like, like redeeming himself in this way. I don't know. Maybe I'm know. just not remembering certain details from the first two seasons. I, but. I think it's fine. We'll just see. I mean, he's going to be like, well, I, the family I have is Grogu and Grief Karga. And Grief Karga's like, F it, man. Just settle down. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> like, you don't need those crazy people and he doesn't he should just no. settle down <laughs> you know what that was a mistake killing off uh Werner herzog was a mistake yeah yeah i was actually just thinking about his character the other day because i don't remember i was talking about Werner herzog with someone and then i was like oh yeah he's in the mandalorian <laughs> he's pretty he's pretty great in that show bring him into the babu freak guys see what they can do um yeah i mean look it was all right i will see in the context of the the rest of the show what was the other thing i was going to say that they are kind of building up i have completely oh um moff gideon they're like oh he's in trial for the new republic whatever you know we'll see him back maybe we'll get it yeah maybe we'll get a one episode appearance from him he'll come back at the end of the season (laughs) It's just like it's the same thing that happens at the end of season one. He like cuts himself out of jail with a new lightsaber or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, Tie Fighters' wings don't fold anymore? <laughs> Why would they get that feature, put it on there, and then take it away? Yeah, right. Is there even a benefit to the wings folding? It takes up more space on land. Then you know. That's a good point. I mean, I guess it's just like the cockpit's closer to the ground. I guess. Uh, yeah, it's easier to get out. You don't need, like, a ladder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Help me. I'm stuck up here <laughs> in my tie-liner. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like I'm, like, 60, so I can't jump, but I'll break something. They probably have to unload those, like, planes, like, with those rolling staircases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got one of those inflatable slides. Yeah. <laughs> Whee! Uh, yeah. Um, we'll see. I, you know, little Giancarlo Esposito coming a little later on. We'll find out. Otherwise, you know, we got, we got, uh, Star Wars Davy Jones to look forward to. Holden, you love Pirates of the Caribbean. Why don't you love I Star do. Wars Pirates of the Caribbean, Holden? Because it's not Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know. Because they, <laughs> they're on screen for like five minutes and they seem kind of lame. They ain't no Jack Sparrow. Well, yeah, bring Jack Sparrow into this. I'd be good. Johnny Depp. Um, anywho, Holden, we should probably move on. I agree. All right, let's talk about our spoiler discussion of the ep- the eighth episode of The Last of Us, titled "When We Are in Need." All right, The Last of Us, uh, season one, episode eight, titled "When We Are in Need." Um. It's like always spoilers up until now in the show and also up to this point in the game, which is pretty much the game up until like the last couple chapters. So we're most of the way through the game at this point. Um, but Jimmy, this was our favorite part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the David section, um, which is easily the most memorable part in my brain. Like this is, I, I mean, 
once again, like I say, every episode, I haven't played this game in about almost three years at this point, but I keep thinking about, I, I can still like picture this part pretty clearly and how it all goes down. Um, and so watching this, I was very excited. And I think they did a really good job. I think this is a very good episode, Jimmy. Yeah, I think it's a good episode too. Um, and I think it's the perfect example of them just adapting the the game pretty faithfully but that's because it works so well in the game um they do add things here and there um and obviously like most of the rest of the show the combat is pretty like minimal here they don't have full shootouts like you have in the game or whatever but aside from a few things it's i think it's a pretty faithful adaptation to how it goes down in the show or in the game um and that's just because it works so well in that game don't need to really add much or take much away yeah i um yeah i like it too i wish the actor played david channeled a little bit more of that like quiet whisper of nolan north you know like Mm -hmm. everything happens for a reason you know it's just like he had it at moments like when ellie's in the the cage there were like glimpses of that and i i just think that nolan north's performance is so chilling in the game Especially when you know it's Nolan North. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess the one thing, and I don't know if this is necessarily better or worse. I think it's just a preference thing. But, like, in the show, he's just more blatantly evil. <laughs> like, David is just very much, like, un, like, yeah, it's like, oh, I want to protect Ellie. But also, it's just because I'm doing it for completely selfish, perverted reasons. And mm-hmm. I'm a horrible person. Where I feel like in the game, it's a little bit more subtle. Where I never I never necessarily got the impression that he was just going to, like, sexually assault Ellie in the game. I thought it was more like, hey, you're a kid. And I'm like... I view myself as this righteous man, which you, as a, the player of the game, you can tell he clearly has this dark side mm-hmm. where he'll lash out. But I think it's like, you're just a, I, I'm being merciful because you're just a kid and, you know, I can change you and, and fold you into my cult. Yeah. And in this, it's just like, no, I just want to sexually assault you and, and make you my like little wife thing. And, and he's just a terrible person. He smacks people and (laughs) even more of a blatant narcissist than he is in the game. And I don't know if necessarily one is better than the other. I think, I don't know. It's just, it is two different things. So yeah, they, they take his character in some different ways. They, they flush him out. I I think part of it is they, they flush him out a bit more in this, um, at flushing out I but he's still he's still just evil <laughs> but like um, yeah no like they I I, I kind of like the subtlety of the the game where it's like you could I mean theoretically this could be the same character mm-hmm. in the game it's just you don't see as much in the game yeah but I think I'm I think I'm okay with um a lot of what they add for him especially with his like interactions with the town folk and everything because i think it just makes kind of his comeuppance more satisfying and everything Mm -hmm. and uh i mean there's the i mean as if you know what's what's going to happen overall in this part of the game or whatever you kind of know what's coming but like from the very start there's the whole bit where he's they're like oh well 
like the the father of this family dies or whatever it's not really explained how or why um but yeah, you you knew that was them right from the beginning as someone who's played the game like that, I knew was, that was uh joel and ellie responsible for that death oh no i actually didn't pick up on that oh you did i was like they joel and ellie definitely were i no, i responsible for this kid's dad dying i had forgotten that the two groups were related actually so that that whole connection and honestly when i got to that point in the show i was like is this the way it is in the game because i like it's that it's that way but i can't remember so then i looked it up after and i was like oh yeah it is um but anyway um the the dad dies and they're like they're talking about like burying him in the spring or whatever but i'm like they're gonna just eat him yeah <laughs> like, like they they're not burying that guy that guy's already been cut up into tiny little pieces How'd you yeah <laughs> and it's i i think i think the best parts of the like of that uh, the the next scene with all of them is when they they bring out like the soup and like I feel like, you know, someone who hasn't played the games could still, like, start picking up on it in that scene, on, like, kind of mm-hmm. what's happening. But for those of us who know, we're just like, oh, my gosh, they're feeding these people people <laughs> without uh, without them knowing. Um, yeah, Emily was picking up on that, too. She's like, I knew they were eating people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I really liked those, those interactions with the town folk and everything. I thought that was, that was great and just added to the tension and the, the despicable nature of David and his cronies. The setting was very similar. I think this is like the most, other than Left Behind, which (laughs) was pretty similar. Like this is like very, very similar to the game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, I mean the the snowy kind of blizzard setting in the town. It looks very, you know, similar to how it looks in the games. Um, I mean, even towards the beginning when they're, I mean, they cut out a whole bit where um, Ellie and David kind of have to help each other survive some infected. Um, Which, but even it kind of works well in the game though. Cause you do, as the player, you do start to trust David a little bit more. Cause like a clicker comes after Ellie and he like takes him out. Yeah. And I think, I, I think I'm okay with them taking it out here um, just because I think part of the reason why it works in the game is because you as a player are being aided by like this uh, this NPC right and yeah. it, so it ends up like saving like basically you in the game um, meanwhile if they did that here I feel like it would just be like well he's still like obviously a bad guy <laughs> like I feel like it's not really necessary and I, I feel like trick it tricking ellie wouldn't trick the audience in this case mm-hmm. so i think i'm okay with that but anyway uh, it's kind of tangent but i was just going to mention that like when they're sitting there with when he's when she's sitting there with david it still looks like kind of the area where they fought off the infected that whole kind of like oh yeah kind of sawmill lo- sawmill yeah um so even though they cut out that part the setting is still kind of similar yeah, no, I it's really good. Um, it is funny though. Like, there have hardly been any infected in this show, mm-hmm. <laughs> outside of the like the the first episode, the second episode, and the sixth episode, where there was a lot. Or yeah, or is that the fifth? That was the fifth. The fifth episode. There really haven't been that many. Yeah, were there any in the? Well, I mean, obviously, just left the behind, one and left behind. Yeah. 
Was there any in the episode before that at Tommy's Town? I don't think Jackson? so. I don't, I don't think, think there so was either. anything, right? Yeah, I don't think so. So, um, yeah. which which I can understand why people are upset about that because I mean it is in some ways you know kind of sold as a zombie show, but I also think. You know, obviously the human interactions, I think, are just more interesting in the human antagonists. But I also think, like, the zombie, the, the the infected are in the game largely there just to, like, break up a lot of the, the other parts of the game mm-hmm. and kind of add more action and everything. And so since you don't really need that in a TV show, they don't feel as necessary here. I mean, they're, it, it's, I mean, obviously they devastated the world, so their presence is always felt, but they're not... You don't always, they don't always need to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I thought I really liked a lot of the stuff happening here. I particularly liked Joel <laughs> taking yeah. out all the guys, kind of just, you know, obviously wounded and ailing, but struggling and just stealth killing these guys. And then, of course, we get the, the great uh, torture scene, interrogation yeah. scene where he's. <laughs> figuring out where this town is he's just like you get to see like oh you know shoot this is this is the joel we've heard about like (laughs) this is what this man is capable of yeah yeah don't come between him and and his baby girl yeah no it's it's that interrogation scene is kind of hard to watch um some pretty good practical effects and makeup and everything there but yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. Joel is is clearly a, a pretty violent person. So yeah, no, I I like that. I like the tension of them coming to the town to to bring about bring upon the vengeance on Joel. And then you do get the scenes of David like going out of his way to get them to spare Ellie. At that point, it's not blatantly obvious that he just wants to have her as his little. I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't even know, like, what do you do, like, a little, I don't know, wife thing that he wants to have her be, or it's co-leader, oh my gosh, I don't know, just nasty, perverted stuff from this guy. Yeah, no, that, uh, <laughs> David's, David's kind of approach to Ellie and everything, it was very different to his game and everything into the game counterpart and whatever but it was uh, very gross and just made him more unlikable yeah and also you'd think they'd clean the ears off the floor a little better yeah <laughs> yeah how do you miss that <laughs> i thought that was really funny too <laughs> that was uh, yeah that was probably that was probably the most kind of the dumbest bit of the of the episode like do but, they they don't eat the head so like how no. did the ear just come off yeah just fell off i guess i don't know yeah <laughs> weird i don't know um ellie kills uh troy baker yeah which troy baker was fun to have i mean there that character is is in the game to yes. that james guy i mean i didn't remember his name but he, he gets killed i think the exact same way yeah, I, I watched kind of a comparison of kind of the endings of this episode and in, in that part of the game, and it was pretty similar. Um, Troy Baker, for those of you who are unaware, played Joel in the game. So, yeah, yeah, pretty cool to have him here. I don't think I've ever seen him do something not 
of like something live action before. So no, I I haven't either. And uh, it would have been fun to get Nolan North in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But I understand why they went to different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I thought that was cool. I thought he did a good job. Although there were times he was just like using his normal voice, so you could like hear little bits of Joel. Yeah, you could. <laughs> so I didn't. I I didn't notice it as much as I was ex- as I, I was honestly expecting to hear more Joel out of him, but. Yeah, I think he was all right. I mean, he was just kind yeah. Of when a, he does Joel, it's definitely a voice. But yeah, part some things he says in his normal voice just have that little tinge of Joel in them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean the the iconic scene in the the restaurant where it's Which burning is, down. Yeah, that that's such a good part of the game. It's awesome. It's creepy. It's tense. It's yeah, it's it's a very memorable part, and they I think they did a really good job of adapting it into this. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's it's very similar, very similar vibes, uh, visually, the creepiness factor, and of course the resolution of that, where Ellie just hacking him to death mm-hmm. with that knife, and uh, yeah, I, I think she hacks him even more in the show than she does the game. Yeah, and honestly, I think, you know, I mean, I th- obviously she's justified in that emotion in the game, too. But I think kind of the 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 border, like the sexual nature of like kind of his, you know, interactions with her, I think that kind of adds more justification to her just, you know, want, like, wanting to kill him like that. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Um. But yeah, I think honestly, um, just watching the com- the comparison, I think the one thing that I prefer in the game is kind of Joel and Ellie's reunion. I think I prefer how they do it in the game. Yeah, I don't. So they, it's in the restaurant, right? Like he yeah. grabs her off of hacking him more, even mm-hmm. right? Is that that how it happens? Yes. Yeah. And I felt like I, for me, I I, I get what. I understand what Bella Ramsey was doing and I think she did a good job. I think in the show she was playing it more kind of like out of shock. Like she was kind of, it wasn't as like, you know, she, there's a lot of crying in the game and everything and it's very emotional. And this one, there's not as much. She's obviously still like very messed up about it. Um, but I think I, I think the outpouring of emotion in the game just worked a bit better for me. Um, Has but, Ellie killed somebody in this? In the show, I didn't she kill that guy that was attacking Joel in the fourth episode? She shot him in the back, but I don't think he died. Oh yeah, you might be right. Yeah, that's Which right. It, when I mean, in a similar situation in the game, she kills a guy and it like messes with her, mm-hmm. and she's like clearly uncomfortable with the fact. And then so when the when she kills David in the game. And in such a like a just a rageful way of just like wanting to kill him, um, and how that has that switch has flipped. I think having that set up earlier in the game pays off the David death even more. And like you said, Joel pulling her away is almost trying to like preserve this kind of more innocent side of Ellie. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, it's like that doesn't have the same resonance there. It's more of a moment for Joel, I think, in the show. 
of like, oh, he calls her, you know, baby girl. It's the first time he's done that since Sarah. Whereas mm-hmm. I think in the game, it it's more of a moment for both of them. And not that it isn't in the show, but I think having the not having her kill someone earlier on kind of takes away from this. Well, now that you mention that, though, I that kind of makes like Bella Ramsey's acting make more sense. I think um, just kind of her her shock that she seems to be in after the fact because um, she's never done it before and everything. So I, I'm I'm wondering if if we're gonna kind of have that play more into this next episode. Um, I mean, I'm sure we will, but maybe in a way that it doesn't in the game necessarily. Like maybe yeah. that that arc that took place earlier in the game uh, will take place kind of now instead. So we'll see. Yeah, we shall see. Um, anything else to add, Holden, before we move on? Um, no, I don't think so. I think this is one of the better episodes. I think best performances all around for probably everyone involved. Um, just very, very, very good. Yeah. We'll see the last episode. Um, have not seen Ashley Johnson yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think you're right with the the theory that you heard of that it's she's gonna be Ellie's mom, mm-hmm. who is not in the game at all. Yes. Um, but I think that's gonna be right. And uh, the tri- the preview actually was like I don't remember like this is a lot of this is not in the game, which is okay. weird. Um, Are we getting? Okay, <laughs> you can't say that, Olden, because that is a spoiler. Well, I won't. I won't. So I am gonna bleep that out. Okay. So I'm gonna bleep that out because I'm not going to let you say anything to okay, ruin fine. a potential iconic thing from the game. Okay, fine. Because that is after this point in the game, Holden, and we said we are not gonna talk about anything after this point in the game. It's a good point. It's a good point, so, Jimmy. Thank you for providing extra work for me. <laughs> all right i if they don't include that though what are you doing yeah. craig mazin loves the game too much to do that yeah he seems to really like the game so i feel like he would he would you know put that important moment in yeah all right let's talk about well what movie should we do first elvis or tar let's do elvis all right Elvis. Um, yeah, this is a non-spoiler review of the Best Picture nominee Elvis, directed by Baz Luhrmann. Um, it's starring Austin Butler, Tom Hanks, and a bunch of other people. They um, say I killed Holden Sutter. Oh, I, I made him my boy. <laughs> Sound like Maya Quimby. <laughs> <laughs> Citizens of Springfield. Um, no, I, uh, yeah, but this is a very long movie about the life of Elvis Presley, very famous rock and roll musician. Um, yeah, um, I guess do we, I don't know the if we synopsis, need to give a synopsis. It's his life. Get it. It's yeah, his, it's his life. life. <laughs> and his relationship with Colonel, uh, oh God, Colonel, uh. Colonel Sanders, not Colonel Sanders, which is the one of the jokes in the movie. Uh, Colonel, it's like Proctor or something. I don't know. I I I honestly don't care enough to check. It's it's Tom Hanks' character, the Colonel, the Colonel. 
Um, what do you think of this movie, Jimmy? You know what? Here's the deal, Holden. I watched this movie in two sittings. I, I My classroom was a mess, and I needed to clean it up. So I went there this weekend to do that, and I play, had the first hour on in the background while I did this. And boy, let me tell you, what the heck is even happening in that first hour? It is <laughs> everything, like... <laughs> the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once has less stuff going on at a moment than that movie does in its first hour. It is zooming <laughs> through things. <laughs> the editing is what is he like what is the editing of the first hour of that movie? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just throwing I mean, if you've seen other Baz Luhrmann films, um, I guess I'm I'm mostly only familiar with the Great Gatsby with Leo DiCaprio and um Moulin Rouge I've seen both I don't people really like Moulin Rouge I don't really care for it but regardless both of those movies his style of, mo- of filmmaking is just throw everything <laughs> just make it very hyperactive throw everything ev- every type of camera movement you can think of throw it all mm-hmm. in um it's yeah I don't know it's <laughs> it's just a lot it's always a lot with him uh, it's very not necessarily bright, bad. Very it's just a lot. Yeah, right? it, it, it's it's not bad. Like I I don't think this is a bad movie. I no. Okay, maybe the editing in the first hour is bad, <laughs> but honestly, like it's it is a long movie, but it is mostly fast paced. It okay. Uh, I, it, it's fast paced, like literally, but. Honestly, my one of my biggest gripes with this movie is it just even though it's always going at like an eleven, it's always turned up to eleven as they say. It it still feels like it's like four hours long, <laughs> and maybe that's and I, maybe you don't run into that as much since you watched it in two sittings. Yeah, but I watched all of this at once, and I by the I I think I watched this thir- last Thursday night or something, and I felt like by I watched it. I think I started right after I got out of work. By the time I was done, I was like, is it time for bed? Like, I usually go to bed at, like, midnight, and I started probably at, like, 6. I'm like, it felt like it was time to go to bed. I was just, like, exhausted by the movie. <laughs> it was just so much. Um, yeah. So and I think I, it's too much. Watch it in two settings. There you go. I will say <laughs> this. I So I watched the first half while doing that at school, and then I was like, you know, I'm just going to watch the second half. I had a busy weekend, so... I was like, I gotta have to combine my workout and Elvis somehow. So I'm like, I'll at least watch it like about an hour of it, do it while I'm doing my stuff on the elliptical and treadmill. And I just ended up going the rest of the movie. So it like okay. it it held my attention to just exercise the last hour and forty minutes, <laughs> which was a great workout, honestly. That's nice. But so I'll give it that. Like, not every movie would pass that test. I don't think I could do that with Tar. <laughs> Yeah, no, but um, very di- very different movies. <laughs> I do is well. A sp- I think Tar is a much better movie. Not that oh, this yeah, is bad. Yeah. It's just it. It's look. It's another biopic. It's another musical biopic. I I just like <laughs> look. If it's, you like Elvis, you're gonna like this movie. If you're like you saw the trailer and you're like, oh yeah, it looks good. You're gonna like the movie. It's not a bad movie. It's just. Austin, look, Austin Butler, he's really good as Elvis, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a good performance. I just don't... I even, like, like Elvis. I just don't really care. Yeah. Um, like, I think that's the thing. And 
it was still entertaining for me over two settings. I'm glad I broke it up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't hate myself watching this movie. I (laughs) got more entertainment out of it than Triangle of Sadness. And I'm trying to think of any other Oscar nominees. I don't know. It's it it is certainly more unique than your average music biopic. I mean, it follows a lot of the same beats, but I mean, without spoiling too much, I mean, it's it's a guy's life. How much can you spoil? I guess, but um, like. This movie, like, 20 minutes in is already at, like, the normal midpoint for, like, a music biopic. Yeah, no, like, it's like he's just already a sensation early on. Like, wow. It's, there's, it doesn't waste much time getting to that point. It's much more focused on kind of him at the height of his career and how it changes over time and kind of his, his downfall later and everything. Which I think is kind of interesting. I mean, we don't, it, it doesn't spend too much time rehashing the same beats we see over and over again in like a Bohemian Rhapsody or whatever. Um, so that, that's kind of nice, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very unique in its, in its structure, I guess, for at least for these movies. Uh, I like how the turning points in this movies are just somebody getting shot or dying. Oh like, yeah, wait. I'm, like, I'm trying to remember who like, gets shot. Well, oh, a couple people get shot. I mean, not on. Oh screen. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. But it's right. like, oh, you're I'm, talking about. oh, I'm Elvis Presley. Oh, 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 having such a good time. Oh no, Dr. Martin Luther King has been shot. This changes everything. Except yeah. it doesn't. I'm still the same person, but now I just want to go back to singing soul. Yeah, it, yeah. It, those each of those times something like that happens. It's it's a very kind of it feels abrupt, which I mean, I maybe is part of the point because it is like abrupt moment in history. But it it's just like the, the movie's just doing its thing, and then all of a sudden it changes tone for like five minutes. And uh, he doesn't really bit. do anything other. I I guess he writes like one song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, that's it. it. Like it's they make such pointless. a big deal out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 mostly there for like historical context, but it still doesn't really give much context to anything in his life because it doesn't really seem like he changes much. And again, I don't know what to like. I guess I shouldn't say anything, but uh, things just happen. Like this movie takes so many just such abrupt left turns. <laughs> Out of nowhere, and half of them don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. They're like, Elvis is getting married, oh, big deal. And then it, it Priscilla's like in it, but I, I don't, there's nothing really to say about it. Like, it's just there. It's like, well, it's Priscilla, you know. It's, uh, there's like, I don't yeah, know. She- I feel like this movie needed to decide what it wanted to focus on, and it just kind of does everything. It's like, is. The relationship with the colonel, Tom Hanks's character, the thing you want to focus on, because it seems like it is, but then all of a sudden it's about Priscilla, and then it's about the civil rights movement, and they're kind of related, but not really. Yeah, that closely. It's like they try to say a a different message for each of these things, and I I don't think any of them are like that fully baked. I think this desperately delivered. needed to be a mini series for me yeah like i think i think it's it crams in a lot and as you said it's it's pretty unfocused in who it wants to focus on 
like what relationship i think you could flesh out each of those relationships better in a series you could tone it down a bit baz lerman <laughs> like maybe you know stretch it out a bit more it would not feel stretched out because it's already feels super condensed um it's just it's yeah, I agree though. The the relationships and kind of it's what the movie wants to focus on is unclear. Cuz there's this like the framework of the movie is Tom Hanks's character narrating. And it's it's on it reminds me of Amadeus, which I don't think you've seen, have you? I haven't. Don't say too much about it cuz I, I do want to watch it. I won't say too much, but it it's similar like the movie kind of starts out and uh, it's told by Salieri. I believe that's how you say his name is. Um, but it's him later on after Mozart is dead. And he's he. it's like, oh, people think I killed Mozart or something like that. And then it's kind of similar, kind of goes through the movie and all of that and shows the events. And it felt like it was going for that. But it has a very satisfying, like like that whole narrative like framework has a very satisfying end point at the end of the movie and it goes nowhere here <laughs> there's like no conclusion to the the colonel being like the <laughs> the narrator no like it's like <laughs> yeah he's just all of us like the movie just ends and he doesn't even, i don't think it even shows him like dying or anything and, but it's just it's so dumb yeah but should we talk about the elephant in the room, which is Tom Hanks? Yeah, Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to say I read somewhere that that guy didn't even have that accent. He just came up I think with it, it. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe we talked about it on the podcast, or maybe I read that too, but I think I heard that as well. I, I don't know. It's It feels... I can't remember where I heard this. I heard this in a like a different discussion about this movie, but I totally agree with it. It feels like Tom Hanks, it was like first day on set and this is what he decided to do. And then Baz Luhrmann just did not tell him to stop. This <laughs> like, is what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's just, My it was boy. like Tom Hanks first idea of how to do the character. And Baz Luhrmann did not give him the proper direction to tell him to stop or anything. Like it was, it's just, it, it's a terrible like confusion confusing accent um and i think that's what a lot of people like to focus on and that's not the only thing i think just tom hanks is like doesn't fit in the movie like his character feels too cartoonish and out of it feels like the character is just not real while everyone else here feels like they could exist even though they're in kind of this bright and colorful fast movie but he just feels so out of place here I don't understand why Elvis even likes him. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I was like, why does he feel like he's like, the only person I trust is the colonel. I'm like, why? why? <laughs> yeah. What has he done for you other than hold back your career at several points and make you unhappy? Mm-hmm. I don't understand why you're staying with this guy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I'm sure there it it felt like in in real life it seems like the colonel was very manipulative of elvis and they try to get that out here but it doesn't really like they don't really get into any manipulation tactics aside from like maybe the beginning of their relationship and maybe a little bit later on but 
most of it is just like him saying like the colonel saying no to things that elvis wants to do and then elvis gets mad and but then they're still in a you know working relationship together or he just has he's a really just bad manager Mm -hmm. yeah oh let's do another christmas special (laughs) here comes santa claus that's what you're going to sing my boy anytime he would say like a christmas carol like every it was just like for some reason the way he would say the names was so funny Oh yes, like, the the one with the little drummer boy. <laughs> Silent night. Yeah, is it's just and another thing about their relationship, it like doesn't show us the beginning of their relationship. And I felt I thought that was so weird. Like it's just all of a sudden Elvis is working for this man and yeah, we get later on in the the scene with them on the Ferris wheel, but that's already after they've been working for a while together. Yeah. It, it, it just we don't see them introduce them, themselves to each other their first interactions it's so bizarre <laughs> it just skips over that yeah um i don't know anything else to say non-spoiler wise because i feel like we're just on the verge of just jumping in yeah i mean we've already talked about some stuff that's kind of minor but i guess the other thing i'll say and baz Luhrmann did this with um great gatsby and I think he did this with Moulin Rouge to an extent, although it worked better there because it was kind of a jukebox musical. But the modern music in here just oh, golly. does not fit. I did not like any of it. No. it like there's The, the big publicized one is there's like a Doja Cat song, which is so out of play. Like I, When I was kind of scrubbing through it before here, it was when I got to that point, I was like, oh my God. And there's like montages where it's like, like Elvis is performing songs, but then they do like weird remixes with modern songs mixed in it. Like uh, there's one bit where it's like toxic with Britney Spears. Yeah. I was like, like I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? And then it didn't come back. It's just like once. Yeah. It was, it was so bizarre. I, I, and the great Gatsby did that where like, he would just play, like he just had Kanye West music in it. <laughs> like it's so, I don't, I don't understand it. I, like it's a style thing sure and i get that you don't maybe you want to have to you know i guess with the great gatsby i understand it slightly more because that movie is not about the music it's like it's you know maybe you have a style you're going for i still don't think it works there but here it's literally about elvis like why are you just throwing in these like random modern songs that don't fit was men say it's like what the heck (laughs) yeah Uh, it's just the yeah i mean when austin butler's singing when it's like actual elvis music or when it's kind of just a more generic score it's fine but whenever they throw in modern music it's it's not not good it's a preferential thing i mean i it doesn't fit for me it was weird I don't know. This is the only Baz Luhrmann movie I've seen. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, who would you recommend this to, Jimmy? Yeah, I kind of hinted at it earlier. If you really are interested in Elvis, watch it. I mean, you'll be entertained. Um, if you saw the trailer, you're like, oh, that sounds something I'm interested in. If you like a good drama, a little history, you know, whatever, biography, you know. Any of those things, watch it. I maybe again look. I would watch it in two chunks, unless you really just want to make a night of it and you're gripped. You know, watch as much as you can. Then it starts to get a little long. You can just pause it, come back later. 
if you have HBO Max, extra convenience for you. And uh, you, and if you're interested in watching the the best uh, actor winner, which it sounds like it's probably going to be Austin Butler. So if you yeah, he see seems that, to be the favorite. If you want to see that before the Oscars, um, then that would be another reason to do it. Because I know my dad's always like, I just want to, I like to watch the performances. I'm like, okay, dad. <laughs> you just want to watch Dar- Gary Oldman in the darkest hour. Just admit it, dad. Yeah. <laughs> just, that's what you want to do. Just admit that. Um, so I, I would say that's who it's for. It, if you If those things don't check it for you, then just you don't need to see it. I could have gone the rest of my life without seeing it and being fine. I didn't hate my life for watching it. Mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think for me, this is sitting at like a like a six out of ten. Uh, I think I'll give it. Um, I mean, honestly, it probably is my least favorite out of the best picture noms. I mean, it is triangle of sadness and this are pretty close, but I think. This movie is just very long, and I feel like I just, <laughs> I, I would don't say know. the heights of Triangle of Sadness are higher for me, and I think mm-hmm. the, the interest level of that is higher, but the first chunk of Triangle of Sadness is just boring. Yeah. And I, I just think it is not as good as it thinks it, think it is. Thinks it is. Yeah. Whereas uh, this is just what it is the whole time. It is. It is. Bumps and all. But I think I'll still I'll stick with a 6 out of 10. Decent music biopic. I don't think I'll ever watch it again because it was just a no lot. Way. But no. uh, if you like the it, guy like who's it, cool. uh, The guy who's Billy, Max's older brother in Stranger Things, is in it. Oh, yeah. And he was good for the little time he had. I was like, oh, yeah, that's Billy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. I think that's I think that's it. Very nice. Let's dive into our spoiler discussion then. All right. Um the so I just kind of at the beginning of the movie, the one clip that I had seen prior to this, um, which is still very funny in the movie and the way that it's edited, is the bit where they like find out Elvis is white. Because <laughs> um, it's they're, they're like all around the jukebox, and I I had seen this like a clip shared on Twitter. I think like when this movie first came out, and they everyone calls it the "He's White" scene because everyone <laughs> it's just like it like quick cuts to like Tom Hanks and a bunch of people. He's like, oh, he's white, and then it's like you know zooming in on the radio really quick, zooming in on the guy jamming in the car. It's just a very very like I don't know how intentionally funny it is, but it's it's very. It, very funny to yeah. me at least <laughs> here's one of the things i have with the movies is like drugs obviously had a big part to play in elvis presley's like demise yes. mm-hmm. and he just starts doing them off screen <laughs> like what like well, how did he get into like it's just like well we're at the international hotel and <laughs> Now he's just doing drugs, even though, like, earlier in the movie, he was getting on his mom for drinking too much. Well, there there is one moment. I think it's when it's earlier in the movie when, like, they're going, they're first going on the road with the colonel before the colonel has, like, decided to drop the other guy. But they're, like, driving in the car, and one of Elvis's friends hands him, like, a pill. 
and says something about it. It's like oh, probably vaguely something like, oh, this will take the edge off or something. I don't know. But it at that point, I was like, OK, well, there's where his drug problem starts. Let's see where this evolves. But then, and then it's, it's just it's, not there. It's like yeah, he never it's, took them ever. Yeah. It's not there. Yeah, it, it's it's not involved at all until we get to that international hotel i think i don't i don't really don't think it's mentioned at all um and then yeah most of the like pretty much all of his drug problems are shown off screen which fine if you don't want to show him like you know doing a bunch of drugs overdosing or whatever that's okay but it's all incredibly implied which i feel like i'm gonna i'm gonna seem like a hypocrite talking about tar and like implied stuff happening off screen but here it just feels like lazy and like unintentional almost yeah Um, look here's the problem with this movie is like the climax of the movie is when he's like or supposed to be the climax of the movie the emotional thing is when he's like saying goodbye to priscilla as he gets on the Lisa Marie or whatever his jet's called. And oh, then yeah, it's yeah. like it goes and he's like dead. And I'm like, okay, but you structured structured this movie around Tom Hanks's character though. Mm-hmm. And he's like not even a part of the climb. Like I, it just feels weird. Well, yeah, like, that's it's like you like what story do you want to tell? Do you want to tell the Priscilla Elvis story or this Tom Hanks one? Because it's like you did it like 75% of the way for each. And I don't feel like you did either of them that big of justice. Yeah, and that's what that's what I was kind of getting at earlier with the comparison to Amadeus. Like even if you even if like the climax climax isn't necessarily with um the colonel, like there's still no closure with like that like kind of the quote unquote present day kernel like framework or anything which I think could have served as a rough you know maybe conclusion for that storyline but even that's not there so it's that whole relationship is just kind of left like (laughs) I don't know kind of with kind of ended with a dud I guess yeah um (laughs) so the kernel gets unlimited credit uh, the casino? How does it even work? I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't it's understand. Like, you can just like, gamble everything, and just if he wins, he's good. And if he doesn't, it's just whatever. I guess. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I don't understand how like unlimited credit would work at a casino like that. Yeah, I don't especially know. Especially like, especially like, I guess way back then before like any sort of you know electronic payments or anything like i don't really understand i'd be able to do that but i don't know i like how it's also just like elvis just goes rogue on stage like all of the sudden it's like you can't just do that you have to coordinate with your group Mm -hmm. like (laughs) when he's like in the baseball stadium yeah just like just start singing a different song i'm like like how does the band know that (laughs) you know like at least in the studio they had like this whole like scheme when they played the protest song or whatever but yeah and honestly that the whole comeback special part is probably one of the better parts of the movie for me i think because it felt like the most thought out it felt like it was it it seems to be pretty close to what happened in real life um and it it 
unlike the rest of the movie, which just seems like a lot of just random like shots and things happening, uh, it kind of felt like there was actually an arc there, even if, you know, Tom Hanks is being Tom Hanks in that part. But Yeah, and then it's just like, that's it. And then he just the, the International Hotel and Tom Hanks is the bad guy. Yes, yeah. Which after the whole stunt with that with like the studio, I do not understand why Elvis would have stayed with them. Like even before that, I don't understand it. But with all the trouble that they had to go through for that special, like Jesus, I don't get it. But you see, an international tour is such a big financial risk. Yeah. Security. Um, yeah, there's just there's no there's just no nuance to that colonel character at all he's just evil but i feel like like he's played completely evil but i don't even think like the movie entirely thinks that he is like like, it's the movie portrays elvis as a moron (laughs) like yeah what it yeah obviously like this guy does not care about you really he just wants to leech off of you Mm-hmm. And he has done nothing in your best interest, <laughs> but for some reason, you keep just letting him leech off you. Yeah. So they either missed something, or Elvis was actually just a moron. <laughs> like, yeah. Which it would seem weird to me. Well, I guess you know, it's kind of. Granted, I haven't seen Blonde, but it one of the criticisms I hear about Blonde is that it like the director just seems to like have a distaste for Marilyn Monroe. I don't think it's quite on that, like quite intentional here, but it does make Elvis seem like an idiot. (laughs) Like that Baz Luhrmann maybe just doesn't like Elvis. as I think it's more like he was the victim. Like (laughs) Elvis is like probably better than he was in real life. You know, it's like glorifying him. (laughs) Um, and glosses over the later part of his life i feel like too with the drugs and stuff to portray him in a better light and as a victim of that kind of um so i would say that so i don't think it's necessarily a comparison with blonde there but you know whatever we could pick this movie apart and i'm sure (laughs) it would start to come apart at the seams a little (laughs) bit but again it goes by fast enough that I was entertained enough. I mean, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, that's for sure. His uh, final show is in Rapid City. That was in Rapid City, South Dakota? Yeah, I didn't know that until I was like reading the plot on Wikipedia. That was apparently that was supposed to be Rapid City. Wow. So. <laughs> and I don't he know if that... was in rough shape, man. Yeah, I don't know if that was actually supposed to... I don't know if that's where his actual last show was or not, but at least in the movie... That's where the final show that is shown is. I think honestly, um, even though I don't, even though I don't care for how they ended with the different like relationships, I think kind of the jumping from like the the you know actor to the real footage, I thought was pretty effective for that performance. I do too. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty emotional, and um, it just kind of showed how good of a. I mean, it was pretty. It was a pretty seamless transition. I thought. I mean, obviously the old footage is going to look older, but I mean Austin Butler did looked a lot like Elvis, with, especially with all the makeup and everything. And so, yeah. And I don't know. Like, I I guess I don't know if any of that scene was sung by Austin Butler or not. But if it was, and they transitioned, it was also pretty seamless on that end. Yeah. So, 
yeah that aspect of the ending i thought was pretty good but yeah yes um boy i feel like there's just a lot to say but i don't really know what else to say about it (laughs) that's okay but i think we can move on i think so too yeah we've got a whole other movie to talk about so yeah let's talk about the movie tar Right, Tar um, is the new film. It's directed by, I believe, the guy's name is Todd Field, um, who the main. I don't know anything about his other movies aside from the fact that he hasn't made a movie in like fourteen or like sixteen years. I think it is. His last movie was, I think, two thousand six. Tar, but uh, it stars Kate Blanchett. Um, she plays the title character Lydia Tarr, who is a like world-renowned composer, um, who is the head of the German, the Berlin Symphony, I believe. Um, and it's kind of her. I guess I don't know. If, how, I don't know how, what what would be the best synopsis for this movie. <laughs> Uh, let me pull it up here. Uh, so here's the synopsis. Renowned musician Lydia Tarr is days away from recording the symphony that will mm-hmm. elevate her career. When all elements seem to conspire against her, Lydia's adopted daughter Petra becomes an integral emotional support for her struggling mother. Okay. Interesting. I don't know if I would have... I'm not sure I'd describe it that way. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that Petra played that big of a role in it, honestly. Yeah, so I'm not... And yeah, but honestly, I feel like like I'm looking at Wikipedia here and like the, the brief kind of synopsis they give at the top. I'm like, I don't know if I would... I feel like that almost spoils part of it. Um, I would just say she's a, f- she's a famous director. Com- uh, she's, yeah, she's a famous musician. Conductor. Conductor. And she's about to, yeah, she's about to conduct her, this symphony of the, what is it, Mahler's Fifth Symphony. Yeah, Mahler's Fifth, yeah. And it's the last one she's done, and it's the one that only, like, her her mentor has, like, uh, or Leonard Bernstein, who's her, like, mentor in this, one of them, anyway, is, like, uh, it's just like that's connection and that's kind of the setting for this movie. It's a it's a character study of her. Yes. The the days leading up to it is what it is. Honestly, I I think anything else is kind of spoilery. Yeah. And um I guess what just what are your overall thoughts, Holden? Um I thought it was uh really good. Um I'm going to I'm not afraid to admit I do not fully understand this movie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's I think there's a lot here to dissect that I just have not been able to wrap my head around quite. Um, but not necessarily. It's not like it's a movie that I I'm angry. I don't understand. I think I understand enough that it's it's very entertaining. It's it's got a very straightforward narrative. So if nothing else, that's something you can kind of latch on to. I guess I shouldn't say straightforward, but uh, it's, it's easy enough to follow. Um, but kind of jumps around a bit. It will it um, will do the thing where it's like it will you will feel the ramifications that something has happened 
mm-hmm. but you're not exactly what quite sure what it is at first. You might guess, and then over time it reveals it for sure what has happened. Yeah, which I, I think is in a lot of movies when they do that, I think is always just kind of an interesting thing when you're kind of unwrapping that. I actually have, I think, a good example of that for uh, what are you doing. But um, yeah, it's I, I think overall I just really liked this movie. Um, it's it is long. Um, I did feel the length, but at the same time, I think I just I overall enjoyed the whole thing. What did you think? I really liked it. Uh, I'm kind of done doing my power rankings for my favorite Best Picture nominee, and I have this one at third. Okay. Um. So I behind uh, Banshees of Inisherin at two, and Everything Everywhere at one. So I I enjoyed this much more than I thought I was going to. I thought this was <laughs> going to be a boring, pretentious movie, and it is not that. Uh, can we talk about the elephant in the room? Kate Blanchett is incredible this oh, is yeah. one of the best performances i've just ever seen mm-hmm. like outright and look michelle yo is great and everything everywhere all at once i i have absolutely no problem with kate blanchett winning best yeah, actress I, if she does because this is the best performance of the year for me like hands down yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think if, yeah, I mean, definitely from the actress category, I'm trying to think of actor, if there's anyone more deserving or even from the supporting casts. But yeah, I mean, she she is fantastic in this movie. There's just so much for her to work with. She's basically, I think she is in every scene. I, I, I'm trying to think if there is a scene that she's not in. Um, but she has just a very interesting energy that she brings to this and there's and there's a lot of just there's just a lot i don't i don't know i guess i can't talk too much about individual parts without spoiling um but there's just a, a quite a few good parts to her performance that i'll want to talk about later but um yeah she's just she's i guess on a very base level she's very good at playing just this this overly pretentious like out of touch conductor character who we we kind of peel away as the movie goes on but yeah (laughs) yeah no i i think it's great i i honestly just thought this was really good i thought her character was fascinating (laughs) and complicated and interesting to to view this sequence of events that plays out from her perspective mm-hmm. because I think in a lot of ways things could have played out differently. Yeah. And it just kind of happened in a way that this was the end result and you're not, you're kind of conflicted about how you feel about it. Cause she's this, like she's not like a great person, but she's not a horrible person. It's like, uh, yeah, huh. I, I think I'm definitely I think I'm definitely not not a fan of of I mean I I can't get into too much but I I, kind of thinking about it more and especially when I was scrubbing through it prior to this I I I think there's there's parts to this where I'm like yeah this is I I think if I were to rewatch this I would definitely be a lot more on the the anti Lydia tar train (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a lot more things set up earlier on than maybe we we as a first time viewer, you maybe get, but, um, 
Yeah, no, and it's a good point you bring up seeing it all from her perspective because, I mean, it's a series of events that I think, you know, to an extent a lot of us are familiar with in pop culture without getting into specifics, but, you know, showing it from her perspective, she's not really seeing everything, and so we as the audience also aren't seeing everything and all of the ramifications until they kind of, like, hit her, like, (laughs) for what happens and everything. So it, it it is it's interesting. You don't get all of the information even by the end of the movie. A lot of it's just so implied, which is kind of what I hinted at in the Elvis review. Yeah, I, I'm interested to talk about spoilers because I think yeah, there's just it was just I, I I think this is one that you would want to have played in a musical group too. Yes, like, I have greater. I enjoyed this movie a lot more because I was in band in college. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like (laughs) once you get to a certain level of music, you start to come into contact with like professional musicians and they're at that level. Like professional musicians have egos and it's like, it's a very, it's like there's a politics (laughs) to it and there's just like a, Oh, hoity-toitiness to it and i think this movie does a really good job of portraying like the political nature of it in a way that's compelling and just kind of like how <laughs> the, oh, they just kind of suck up to each other and i don't know and just the self-import and it also does a really good job at like just calling that out too in mm-hmm. one scene in particular i think of just like nobody actually like outside of your bubble, nobody cares. Like, yeah, like this is really important to these specific people. But outside of that, it's like these people are in their own little world. Well, it, I'm trying to remember who is that one composer that we had like to deal with and like at Augustana. Do you do you know who I'm talking about in like just the symphonic bands? I don't remember. I can't remember his name. I, it's going to come to me as soon as it, it I, I guess maybe it's better. I don't say the name so I don't, you know, create it. We, we don't potentially create any enemies with our very famous podcast. But uh, so one, one composer that we, we had as a guest, like I think conductor, we played one of his pieces um, brought in and he's just like, he's just like the most pretentious guy that I think I've ever run into. And he, I mean, not on the same level as in terms of like, I guess, notability as someone like Lydia Tarr, but very similar to kind of what you were just talking about and just the egos on, on these people that these people can develop. And even on a, a, on a different level for like, kind of our music experience i mean we know we kind of understand a lot of the terminology a lot more in this mm-hmm. movie um it's still not perfect i mean like i, I don't understand conductor lingo and um i mean the, obviously when they're like guys, just throwing out the names of symphonies i'm like i i do not yeah, know what that, that is off the top of my head <laughs> yeah like i was not i was in band in college i was not a music major mm-hmm. okay 
And from what I understand, I mean, even if you don't understand uh, kind of what I was general reactions I was seeing online, like even if you don't understand music lingo, you'll probably be lost at first. But I think it kind of adds a certain layer to like that <laughs> pretentiousness and ego uh, if you don't understand it. So I, th- I think it's still a movie, you know, you can you can watch and enjoy even if you don't know those things. So, yeah. I I really did I really did like this movie. It was one that I liked more as it went on. Yeah, too. I I, th- I think it overall probably gets better. Um, it, the beginning. I mean, uh, actually, I'm not sure. I totally agree with that because I think like the first there's a couple scenes towards the beginning that are really good. But yeah, it's just I I think maybe it overall gets more engaging as it goes on, and the plot really kicks in in like the last third, especially uh, the first two thirds. Kind of, I mean, kind of a triangle of sadness situation, but not as, I mean, but better. <laughs> Where the first two thirds is a lot of setup to ultimately what the third act is going to, is the kind of the main plot is going on there. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, and it has a, my mind has been blown a little bit here. Hold on. Because Julian Glover, who's other than Leonard Bernstein, is another one of her. Lydia Tarr's kind of mentors in this movie. He's he plays Grand Maester Pycelle in <laughs> Game of Thrones. I did not realize that he plays Walter Donovan in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I did not Wait, know no, that, that was the same, same guy? actor. It's the same guy. Are you sure? Yes. Absolutely positive. And I did not know that, and it's blowing my mind. Julian Glover was Picelle, really? Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Because see, honestly, I didn't. I guess that makes more sense. I was because I was like wondering who this guy was. I was like, I recognize him, but then. Oh yeah, I'm having just a realization here. Okay. Yeah. I see. Because when I looked him up, I was like, oh, Walter Donovan. Okay, from the Last mm-hmm. Crusade. That's where I know him from. But yeah, you're right. Okay. And it doesn't come up because it's like movies. And then I was like, I swear he was Grandmaster Pycelle. Like, there's <laughs> no way. Like, he sounds exactly like him. I just rewatched the show for the third time. Yeah, he is. And I, I really like him in this movie. He's he's not in it too much, but he's kind of just this joyous little old man. <laughs> he uh, it seems to be overall a pretty good person, but it kind of it almost brings in this interesting like conversation about like well if he's just this nice and regular person but what kind of impact did he leave on this orchestra and stuff so it's yeah i liked him though yeah um yeah uh, lots of interesting i this is a movie that i would watch again i think i would too i and like i said i think i think it would only benefit from a second watch yeah i think it's one that would get better and and again it's like the more i sat with it the more i've liked this one and Mm -hmm. i mean the performance the story there's so many layers going on here it's just yeah i i I cannot get over that performance like kate blanchett was so good like (laughs) if she is like if she was not an expert like musician beforehand she would have fooled me because i she just commanded those words with such confidence and yeah. her hand gestures were very much that you would see from a composer. 
conductor. The, the, all right, all right, so yeah, I keep saying composer. <laughs> well, she okay. does. I, to I, be I fair, she does compose too in the movie. I have an inter- I have an interesting thing to say in spoilers about her composing, but yeah, yeah. that's something for later. I don't know. How much do we say non-spoilerize here? Uh, probably not much more. I mean, um, other I mean other performances. Uh, Naomi Laurent Laurent. I don't remember. It's French. I can't remember how Laurent. to say her name. She's in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Naomi um, Laurent. I would guess. Yeah, probably something like that. As someone um, who doesn't know any French, <laughs> she was very good. Um, and uh, the woman who plays Lydia Tarr's wife is good. Um, yeah, honestly, everyone in this movie was good. Um, yeah. And there's a, there's a central like cello player character who I think this is her first movie role. She is like actually a cello player in real life. She was also good. So cool. Good for her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really think there's much else to say. I mean, surprise, I guess like music wise it's good i mean there's not really much music aside from like the diegetic music um with like the the orchestra and everything but it's very good yeah and i the orchestra sounded amazing too yes that yeah. the way they they uh transferred that sense of being in a live concert into a movie somehow i don't know how they did that but it was really well done yeah, the sound design in general in this I think is just incredible, and I th- I mean I think that's easy to say for a lot of movies that focus on music, but here I mean you have the orchestra scenes, but even outside of that, everything I mean there's just tons of silence. I mean there's plenty of times where like Lydia is speaking in a big echoey room, and it feels like she's still a big presence even if not much is happening and quieter moments as well it's i don't know if this is up for sound at the oscars and it probably won't win even if it is but it's probably has my vote nice Um, all right i think we should dive into spoilers oh you need to give your rating and i gotta talk about who this is for so yeah who's this who's it for yeah look if you were in music in like a in some sort of orchestra or symphonic band or something and you took music at some point at like a high high school or college level and you have were in a somewhat serious um group i would say that this movie would probably be more interesting to you mm-hmm. um because you kind of have been in you've hey, you've dipped your toes into somewhat that similar realm um and especially if that's if you were like went to school and you were a music major i think you should check this out and interested in conducting and all that stuff um if you are not into that that's where i think this becomes a little bit harder to recommend because it's two hours and 40 minutes if you like a long character study with an excellent performance you might be interested in this but i I don't think this is for everybody i mean if you look Mm -hmm. at the like the Google reviews, it's like a three or something mm-hmm. out of five. It's, you know, and like, yeah, 3.2 out of five and 76% of Google users like the movie. So it's like, people are not going to, not everybody's going to love it. Uh, it, it. But I do think it's a very good movie. So I don't know. I haven't watched the trailer, so I don't know how much the trailer gives away. Well, 
Do you remember when we first saw the teaser trailer and you said it looked pretentious? Pretentious and boring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just remembered that. But um, the... Yeah, I mean, I think it is... I, granted, we haven't seen women talking yet. We will for next week. But it is probably the least accessible out of all of the um, Best Picture nominees, I'd say. But at the same time, if you like a good psychological drama, um, it is just very solid, very... like. Todd Field, I think, also wrote the movie. Um, he just did his research in this, like, in this kind of if, like Robert Eggers level of just committing to <laughs> a, a certain, like, you know, the subject and everything. It, it just felt so authentic. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure if he has any background in music, but you could have fooled me because it feels like he does. Um, but yeah, uh, for me, I think this movie, I'll give it a nine. I think I, I don't know where it ranks in my best picture for the year yet. I think I'm also at everything everywhere at a n- number one, but yeah, it's, it's up there. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, a, a pleasant surprise to be sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let's dive into our spoiler review. Hold on. Right, spoilers for Tar. Um, I forgot to ask your opinion in non-spoilers, but in classic top fashion, I want to jump to the ending um, because the ending I think is hilarious. <laughs> I think it is a. I think it's like a perfect punchline to a joke that you didn't know was being set up almost. Like it, it's it it's just like like none of the rest of the movie is very funny at all. There's and no then, humor. Yeah, like I and would it, say there's like literally none. <laughs> yeah, and then it just throws this it, the, at the end where she's playing the score for a Monster Hunter game. I didn't realize it was Monster Hunter until I looked it up after, but it's supposed to be a Monster Hunter game. Um, but I where think was it's that just, like Thailand. Yeah, I think it was Thailand. Um, I, I could look up Wikipedia see if it says, but but regardless, like Rapid just City, f- <laughs> yeah, Rapid City. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just uh, kind of like the fact that she's doing this music for what she probably views as like low art, considering what she's you know been saying throughout the rest of the movie, and she's kind of in this dingy little place, and sh- uh, like she has like she has like a click track she's doing it too there's like no like artistic really influence that or much artistic influence mm-hmm. she can put on it and so it's kind of her own little personal hell that she's like trapped yeah. in for the time being um and considering the the very questionable thing she's done throughout the rest of the movie i thought i found it very funny and kind of fitting um but yeah, I I I quite the ending. It was very jarring at first, and at first I wasn't sure if I liked it. But then I kind of sat back and was sitting there, just kind of laughed at it. It <laughs> is very like, jarring. It is so out of place for the rest of the movie, but it it's it's effective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's the Philippines, by the way. Oh, Philippines, uh, where okay. it's supposed to be. Yes. Um, yeah, it is. It's it's a gut punch, and it's impactful, and it, it mm-hmm. works for me. I think. Yes. Yeah, no, it's it was pretty great. Um but I guess jumping back from now on we can try to maybe go from the start. Um mm-hmm. 
start it, it starts out with um, the interview on stage um, with the New York New Yorker New Yorker New Yorker New Yorker. They mentioned New York Post later, and I was getting confused. There's so many New York publications, but uh, yeah, with the New Yorker guy, apparently a real New Yorker reporter too. So that's kind of cool, but um, yeah, that that whole scene is. I I think. I mean, a lot of people like to focus on that the actual interview, but I think just the most entertaining part is him like going on for like eight minutes, just listing off her accomplishments, which <laughs> like, is what they do. Yeah, and yeah. it it feels like longer than maybe it would be in real life, but it's hard to tell. Really, it it's just like it, it's such a it's like not a longer. Jerk. It is not longer than would it be in real life. Okay. That's for <laughs> sure. They do it, it, that. I hate that. I hate like formalities like i'm just so not into titles and that sort of thing i just it is the it is like yeah the I, yeah and it's it's yeah. like okay like give them an introduction you know talk about their most notable things or whatever that's fine but going on for that long it's it's such overkill we don't need it we already know they're important like <laughs> which is interesting because you have um oh, what's her character um Francesca the like assistant. the assistant and she's like she has the whole thing memorized yeah it's like she worships up worships Lydia Tar mm-hmm. and how that changes over the course of the film as well yeah that's a good point I forgot about that and yeah. like you said the the implied stuff with the uh, with Krista the mm-hmm. student yeah, there's it, it's not explicitly ever said or, or anything uh, exactly what happened, but I mean based on kind of what we hear the the big conflict is that Lydia Tar is accused of like sexual misconduct and like essentially giving people boosts for like sexual in return for sexual favors and everything, like boosting their career and everything in uh-huh. their profile. Um which we do get confirmed to an extent with her wife later in the movie because the wife is like well that's how our relationship started and mentions that towards the end of the movie um yeah like how this has only been transactional yeah yeah um and so yeah it's 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 pretty smart in how it doesn't ever actually give you everything and i think that's good it kind of lets you interpret more i think I mean, based on the way we see her act in the movie, though, I, I mean, I'm inclined to believe, like, what she's accused of. Mm-hmm. Um, just with how, you know, she's with the cello player and everything. But um, regardless, I, I mean, Lydia Tarr, at the very least, is has a lot of, like, just sociopathic tendencies. Oh, yeah. She's like a narcissist, definitely. Yeah. Like, she's just com- has complete blinders on. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't even, like, realize what she's not even realizing what path she's going down and it's kind of like you know and a metaphor she's almost a metaphor for like all of these other composers before her where it's like oh yeah because they even have this talk of like Bach you know like she goes to Juilliard Mm -hmm. and the kid's like I don't like Bach because of you know whatever he what his thing I don't remember what it was yeah it was like he he doesn't identify with you know Bach because Bach was you know a white white man from way back when and he he's not any of those things so and he did bad stuff yeah and did bad and stuff. and she's just like dismisses him 
Yeah. Just like, well, you're an idiot. That and that like, whole- part of, like, part of that was like, okay, yes. Does he? Should he just not completely dismiss Bach? Sure. So she like makes some points, but then like she doesn't realize, like, she has such an emphasis on like the legacy. Mm-hmm. And the music itself, like, oh, their musical accomplishments completely outweigh any bad thing they've ever done. Like, it's not even important. People don't even need to worry about it. Yeah, she she's um, she's so like, like, like the classic argument of like separating the art from the artist, right? She's she's very much into uh, like, especially in that scene. She's like, well, you know, at, you know, you can at least enjoy the music, even if you don't maybe enjoy the person. And it's it's kind of interesting how that plays into later on where she, like just like seemingly I mean her career just goes completely down the toilet and it, it's not ever explicitly said that you know like the whole Mahler po- like thing falls through in terms of like none of her stuff getting published but it probably happens and so mm-hmm. yeah it's just I don't know <laughs> it's very interesting. And, like, everything is just so subtle. It's almost like, you know, Better Call Saul where, like, tiny little moments have such huge, you know, butterfly effect impacts. Mm-hmm. And, like, this one for the addition for, what is it, the, you know, just the orchestra, whatever, celloist or whatever, and she just sees Olga, the Russian cellist, in the bathroom mm-hmm. and, like, she's her shoes and like as an audience member like you don't know about her exchanging like you know things for sexual favors and it's just so subtle and it's like okay she's so she she's the shoes on the way out she erases her you know um card her player scorecard mm-hmm. and edits it and you're like oh my gosh so she is like on one hand she sees music as this you know oh just like spiritual religious thing that's just so important that she puts on a pedestal dicks herself but then she (laughs) also is doing this it's like what the heck and as the audience like what is going on here and then you get a little bit about the emails and she literally just breaks into uh francesca's laptop and i now i'm i now that i think back through the movie yeah it's like the slow reveal that this lady is um, uh, just a wolf in sheep's clothing almost like she is a predator yeah like just disguised very well and she doesn't even see it in herself because she's just has such narcissistic tendencies and and is so focused on music and she's kind of like a, a genius but but she has so little self-awareness well in the i mean the first moment for me i think where you see that like kind of coming out and you're like oh maybe she's not a good person is when she like threatens that girl i was gonna say like when she's like you can don't tell any adults because i'll mess you up little yeah. jo- <laughs> they'll never believe you because i'm an adult and you're not yeah which is you know that I mean, now that you even said that line, it's she could have said that to one of her, you know, victims. Mm-hmm. 
which again, yeah. like I'm liking this movie even more now <laughs> that yeah, we're talking just... through it, which is a testament to how good it is. Well, that's what I mean. Like now that we have the context of how the movie ends, like just as you go earlier, you're picking up on more and more things. So as we're discussing it, we're kind of seeing as it, you know, as it, the seeds were planted earlier. And I mean, even like the Juilliard scene, which you mentioned, I think that is probably my favorite scene in the movie. I think it's like, and especially from a technical standpoint, it's all a oneer, which mm-hmm. is pretty, inc- it's just incredible. The level of coordination and everything in that scene. And it's very long. So it's just, it's awesome. But like in the moment, she like the first time you watch it, I feel like she doesn't come off as great, but also you're kind of like, okay, well, this is a, like, she's a smart composer. Like, maybe I'm supposed to, like, think that she's, you know, smarter than everyone and she knows what she's talking about or whatever. But kind of in hindsight, you see that she's just, like, a pretentious jerk mm-hmm. who, sure, she knows a lot of what she's talking about, but she's also just, yeah, as you said, being completely disregarding of anyone else's, like, opinions. Yeah. She just, she's selfish, mm-hmm. self-centered completely. I have, and okay, so I mentioned it in non-spoilers, but I have this theory based on what we saw. I do not think Lydia Tarr actually knows how to play music. Knows how to play music because of her yeah. comp, comp, composing? Well, not only that, I mean, her her composition that she makes is very basic and it the movie... I think kind of hides it as like everyone who hears it is kind of interpreting it as kind of like this genius minimalist thing, but we never see her actually play anything correctly. She she, she plays the uh, Bach piece at Juilliard. She she does. And, but what I want to say about that is she clearly mentions in that scene that like anyone could play that. Like she says it like, like, Oh, this is something that like any student could learn or something. And so I'm like, I I wonder how much of like her getting it this far in life is just purely ego driven, <laughs> like her like just being the way she is and kind of the sociopath or whatever. Because I like, it is very possible she could know how to play music, but I think the movie leaves it open enough that like she might just not, and like everyone just assumes that she does, and so she just kind of like. <laughs> maybe makes these compositions that are pretty minimal but i mean frankly the one that she makes i don't think is very good and i think is kind of on purpose maybe not very good i mean it's an interesting theory i mean even the cellist kind of like hey you should change this note to this note yeah yeah exactly but she just knows way too much music theory in order to not know how to play music though like because she talks about when she's at juilliard again she talks about how when he's conducting the thing, it's all this atonal thing that are it's it's part of music theory. I I never got that high of a level, but I know th- when we were at Augustana University, the people were in the music department were geeking out about these things that sound just terrible to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's an interesting theory, Holden. I I see where your breadcrumbs are at, um, <laughs> but I I don't know if I'm completely sipping the Kool Aid. That's yeah, that's fine. It is definitely a it's definitely a sh- kind of a shot in the dark, but since you the know more what? I thought about it, the more I liked it. I don't even think Lydia Tar's a real person. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, yeah, I don't think she exists. <laughs> tar on tar. Oh, that's I do Tar on Tar, is that like a joke? Like 
that is that is that like I kind of thought that was funny. That I did too. The book was it, called Tar on Tar. tar like, on what tar. a stupid title. <laughs> like I, I almost think that was like the other joke in the movie that you're just like, oh well, she's a genius. Like as an audience member, it's like, oh, it's got some meaning and then maybe at the end that's also like the punchline, like a joke that goes over everybody's heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I can totally see that. Um, not as good as Ant-Man's book. No, no, not, no, it's not. <laughs> the one thing that Ant-Man has over this is Ant-Man's book is better. Um, I'm trying. Oh, did I, Lydia Tar ever get big? I don't think so. No. No. You know, look, although we could say all we want about this movie and it's very good, but it's still the second best movie, in my opinion, where a composer or the I keep saying composer where the conductor gets tackled at the climax because <laughs> it gets smart will always have the number one place in my heart. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say whiplash. Oh, whiplash. Do they tackle the conductor, though? Well, I um I guess it's not at the climax, but uh, Miles Teller tackles jk simmons at one point oh that's right well spoilers for whiplash top three you know what all you (laughs) got to do is write a movie where there's a big scene where someone (laughs) tackles the conductor (laughs) apparently Um, no uh get smart is number one that is the climax i love love get smart (laughs) whiplash what is this um no um the other when i was talking about the music i forgot about the scene where she's she's playing the accordion and singing uh apartment for sale that's that's i was like you're a jerk yeah like (laughs) oh that was the scene i wanted to bring up too like when they come to visit her and you know she's this musical genius they're like you know could you just not do anything we don't want to scare off the neighbors yeah like having and then she like laughs it's like having a musical genius next to you it's like people don't want like people do not care about you mm-hmm. like you are you just like make noise in this bubble where you i think you're so important and righteous that you because of your talent you can do no wrong mm-hmm. um and i think that's just is a really interesting way of looking at how power corrupts people so yeah i this movie's great. I I want to watch it again sometime. Like <laughs> yeah, same. Which when that trailer came out, I was like, oh god, I do not want to see this. And now <laughs> I'm like, that was really good. Yeah, it's it's really an awesome movie. Um, it's thoroughly pretty entertaining throughout. It feels, I mean, it's like the same length as Elvis and Elvis is faster paced, but it feels shorter than Elvis. <laughs> yeah. Somehow it's crazy. Like, like it's just, I think it's just so like perfectly paced um, for what it is. Um, I didn't, I, I forgot to mention, and I didn't really think about this till the movie ends, but like once, like once Lydia like picks the replacement for the conductor position, like Francesca is just not in the rest of the movie. Like she's just gone. I'm pretty sure at least. Sorry, my headphones got unplugged, Olden. What did okay. you say real quick again? <laughs> I just said um the 
once like once like uh, Lydia Tar um, picks the replacement for that conductor position, like and it's not Francesca. Yeah. Francesca is just not in the rest of the movie. Well, yeah, and she has all the proof. Basically, she just that was the straw that the last straw, the smoking gun, the smoking straw. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like clearly she had this evidence, but. You know, it's it's an interesting character study on Francesca too, because she has this evidence that would incriminate Lydia Tar that she can have use at any moment, mm-hmm. but she's waiting to see if she gets promoted, and when yeah, she doesn't, it, that's when she reveals it. But if she and, does get promoted, she buries it too. But she at least has a conscience, like she's like shaken up about it, and Lydia is just like. Lydia is only concerned about herself getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. And that is where like the sociopathic tendency comes in. And like, yeah. And I mean, I think that also comes into play with just like her relationship with her daughter. Like the daughter almost feels like an afterthought in the movie, but I think that's intentional because like Lydia just like seems to forget that she exists. Yeah. Like, well, constantly. as an audience member, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like the few scenes we get, I mean, the uh, like, the only like really positive, uh, positive I guess interaction is when Lydia defends her daughter, but even then, that's when she threatens the other girl. Mm-hmm. And then every other time, it's like always an afterthought, or she's just like concerned about the daughter being in her study. And yeah, everything. I was gonna say, yeah, like it's, yeah, it's just not good. She just clearly does not really care and just has to pretend like she does yeah man we've been we've been talking about this movie for a while it's, it's a good one it is and, good uh, yeah man. i'm liking it more the more we talk about yeah it too. i am too i just like <laughs> and like you said there's there's more to this that is definitely gone over our heads mm-hmm. so yeah i yeah i i just really like it and um she uh she gets herself canceled and tackles the guy and ends up in the Philippines directing or com- conducting a monster hunter. Yeah. And she I love how just seriously she takes it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I just the ending's great. I think it's her just being in the Philippines being miserable. It's very fitting. Yeah, it's it's great. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. Anything else to say? Closing thoughts? No, I don't think so. Who should win Best Actress, Holden? Yeah, I think it's Kate Blanchett. Um, if Michelle Yeoh wins, obviously I will not be upset because she was very good, but I think this is the better performance overall. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. I, Yeah, Michelle Yeoh is very good. Any other year. But... uh. Yeah, I gotta give it to Kate Blanchett, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, hold on, we gotta finish this puppy up. We do. <laughs> so let's go on to our final segment. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? All right, this week, Jimmy, I uh, continued my uh, Rocky. I wouldn't say marathon. I guess it kind of is a marathon. I watched Rocky three and four this week. 
Um, don't like him quite as much as one and two. The four is kind of like the one that people, it's like either people's favorite or second favorite. And I don't, I think I still like two more than that. Um, cause it's like the really cheesy eighties, like cold war one. That's pretty famous with the, him fighting the Russian. Um, it's, it is good. It's very entertaining, but that movie is also like, it's like 90 minutes long and I swear to God, like 20 minutes of it is montages. <laughs> like it is <laughs> like the Rocky montage is at its like highest there in just terms of quantity. And, um, but it is, it's fun and cheesy. So very entertaining. And I didn't realize the, the villain in Rocky three is Mr. T. <laughs> it is yeah <laughs> which is and i think it was his like first role ever too so and I, his like famous catchphrase i pity the fool is like from that movie oh really yeah so i didn't realize all that um but yeah that was kind of cool um other things i watched i watched the fourth fast and furious movie which i do think is actually the worst one now upon my rewatch i think it's like it's so caught in between the two like types of fast and furious movies. It's just like not a very good version of either. The intro is amazing. Like the first 10 minutes is so good. And then the rest of the movie is basically like too fast, too furious, but not as good, which is weird to say. Cause that movie is not that great anyway. But um, anyway, that's just my, my fast and furious rankings. Maybe I'll give a ranking when I'm done with all of it, but um, that's all for movies. In terms of TV, I caught up on my On Cinema um, series, so yeah, excited for that Oscars special event when I watch that. Um, but other than that, been watching Batman Beyond, and I think that's it. Um, TV or uh, game wise, just been playing more Jedi Fallen Order. I haven't played a ton because I was kind of busy this last week, especially with all these other things I had to watch. But um, I did have a couple interesting uh, things to talk about that don't fit in our normal three categories that happened this okay. week. W- one was um, I went up to Minneapolis this weekend, the Twin Cities, and I saw a Pink Floyd ballet. <laughs> interesting. Um, which I'd never been to a ballet before, but it was an adaptation of The Wall, which is a fantastic album, and it was amazing. It was so good. I like. I think it'll probably ruin ballets for me because I don't think I. I mean, I already love Pink Floyd, so that definitely helps. But it was just like this really like the dance choreography was amazing, and the the music. It was a live band is playing the whole album all the way through, and it was oh, it was so good. I just, yeah, that was awesome. And I think it was an original like ballet from the Twin Cities ballet, but if they happen to like license that out ever to anywhere around where you may be, the slight chance that ever happens, I would highly recommend it. It's a very cool show. Nice. Um, and then the other one is actually a podcast I've been listening to. Um, I listened to... There's two seasons. I listened to the first season on the way back from Minneapolis yesterday. And it's actually, it, I a lot of you have probably heard of it because it was pretty popular like five years ago, but it's called Homecoming. I have not heard of this one. Okay. The only reason I, like, I know it was popular is because they actually made an Amazon Prime video, like, 
series adaptation of this. Um, but it's a narrative podcast, um, and it stars Catherine Keener, who um, you may know she was like the mom in Get Out, but she's also in a lot of other things. She's she's pretty good. Um, but also Oscar Isaac is in it, um, and David Schwimmer, who plays Ross on Friends, and Amy Sedaris and other people. But it's like this, the story is about like this um, woman who works at a facility um, uh, that specializes in kind of the psychiatric treatment of soldiers after they come back from war and kind of everything. And it's the psychological thriller that's told non-linearly and you kind of get glimpses of like her after she's left the program and everything. And there's this whole mystery and it is, it's so good. I really liked this. Um, the voice performances were amazing. Like I said, it's two seasons. The f- each episode is probably like t- anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes. I think in the first season, they're a bit shorter, probably closer to that 20 minute mark. Six episodes per season. It's just, I, I really liked this. I'm, I'm eager to start listening to season two. And I'm pretty sure they ended it. So I th- like I think the story ends after season two. So if you're looking for a good narrative podcast, check it out. Otherwise, nice. I think otherwise I've heard the Amazon series is also good. So you could probably just watch that, too. But anyway, Jimmy, what have you been up to? Uh, like you just playing a little Jedi Fallen Order just because it's been busy. Mm-hmm. I uh, finished Horizon Call of the Mountain. I don't know if I had done that by the end of last week. You hadn't. How was okay. how, how was it? It was good. Um, needed more combat, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it needs a combat arena thing that you can just do. So hopefully that's a software update because um, I think that could be something they add because I don't want to replay a whole level just to fight a certain machine. Sure. Um, but yeah, I overall liked it. I think it's getting a lot of flack because people didn't realize it was a climbing game which is called <laughs> Call of the Mountain. So I don't understand. Well, I mean, it's a gorgeous looking game. But uh, then I started... Resident Evil 8 VR. I've only played about an hour and a half, but it's so good. Uh, it is. <laughs> it's great. And it is spooky. The uh, OLED just makes the black just so black. And um, yeah, it's like I was telling Holden, the, the haptics are really add to the immersion because mm-hmm. each of the guns feels different. And the headset haptics add to it too because it's like the pistol feels different and then when you do the sniper rifle it actually like kicks back and you like feel a little vibration in your head too like in your forehead that it's just a little extra and just those little things that add so much to the immersion of it all um is is really great and you can like dual wield and you could also have two hands on a pistol to make the aiming a lot easier um it's uh, t- t- terrifying at parts, especially <laughs> when you like know that something's about to happen, and the jump scares, and there's just nothing you can do about it. Are you in the castle? Uh, not yet. No. Okay. Um, just still just in the the beginning the village village part. So, yeah, I haven't had a ton of time to play it, but overall, already I'm just very impressed, and the graphically it looks pretty great i mean i would say it's like being in a ps4 game mm-hmm. so that's pretty good yeah um 
it, and it's enough for immersion that's for sure um so yeah really really fun um otherwise watching oh i did watch a couple of the newer south park episodes the first one was all right the second one was pretty funny honestly it was it's called the worldwide privacy tour okay. and it's just making fun of prince harry and Meghan markle oh, okay and it's really funny in my opinion because they're I, like uh what's that i was gonna say i've only seen the first episode of the season i haven't okay. watched anymore uh yeah i i thought this was a a pretty good one um and it's like they're just like we want privacy and they're like (laughs) protesting it hey what are you looking at we want all (laughs) privacy and they're like canadian the canadian animation style (laughs) so pretty funny in my opinion um it was kind of hard to watch because I was working out on the elliptical and I was laughing, which made it like hurt to work out. Oh, yeah. I can't watch comedies while working out. No, I'd learned my lesson the hard way there. Um, otherwise, I think that's about it. Um, oh, I just rewatched the, the Book of Boba Fett ending to be ready for Mandalorian. Oh, season yeah, yeah. Which was bad. <laughs> the two Mandalorian episodes, great. The last one with Boba Fett again is horrible. Um, but Baby Yoda's cute in that too. So that's, I think, all I got, Holden. Okay, perfect. Well, next week we have another stacked week, another an even more stacked week than this one because um, not only do we have new episodes of The Mandalorian and Last of Us, the finale of The Last of Us, um, but we also will be covering Scream 6, which comes out this next week and our last uh, Oscar nom we haven't covered yet, which is women talking. And then also by the time we record the Oscars will have <laughs> happened. Mm-hmm. So we'll have, we'll talk about the, those results as well. So we'll have a lot. Um, we're going to hold off on talking about 65, the Adam driver dinosaur space movie thing yeah. until the following week, just cause we have so much to do. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah exciting big week next week it might be end up being our longest episode yeah we'll see (laughs) all right uh in the meantime holden you can uh, take us home yeah if you want to leave us a request you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on itunes or by emailing us at tompodcast at gmail.com or by donating to our patreon i believe that's it you know, Holden, long episode, but still like 20 minutes shorter than either movie we watched this week. So there's That's that. true. <laughs> All right. We'll talk at you next time. In the meantime, adios, pantalones. Love you. That one movie podcast. Yeah.